Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. Hi, my name is Jim Bubba Bay, and I'm uh, 57 years old from Pine Plains, New York. I pretty much grew up here most of my life. I'm a landscaper by uh, trade, and we also have a family gas station, so I work there part-time helping on the convenience store and all that. Me and my ex-wife, we just split up from uh, a long marriage. We had uh, two kids that died in our marriage. My one son was premature and died after living 10 days. And then after he died, we found out our one of my oldest twin sons had kidney disease. And then he died at the age of 18. And um, all the medical bills and just all the, you know, having two kids die. And we still cared for each other, just kind of wore in the marriage. And so we um, decided it was time to uh, split up. And, and then, of course, you know, my other kids were young. And the, the right thing to do was let them stay in their bedrooms and stuff. And so I moved out. And I happened, my brother and sister-in-law, Marianne and John, have a, own a house right next to the landscape shop, and it was vacant. So I asked him if I could rent it. And that wouldn't be too far away from my kids, like 15 minutes by car. So I ended up moving here and was renting right near where I work. And then that put me on Hammertown Road, which is part of the story. <laughs> As Bubba, most Bubbas are, I know some Bubbas are thin, I've always, you know, battled weight and been a big guy. And for a while, I lost 100 pounds and I kept it off. And I'm actually lighter than when I graduated high school now. So, you know, it's not too bad. And, but anyway, I always did a lot of exercise. And then I was walking six miles a day after work, five miles. And I still went and walked every night, every night. And I happened to, uh, and then I lived out alone. So when my kids weren't here, I was kind of lonely and kind of bored in a way. And so uh, I did walking and I also my big hobbies, metal detecting, treasure hunting and stuff. So I do that. So those are two things I did to keep busy. And I happened to happen to be a beautiful Sunday. And I said to myself, I'm going to go metal detecting for the whole day. So it was November uh, 15, 2009. And uh, so I went metal detecting for the whole day. And I decided that I did it enough that I didn't need to do the walking that day. So I detected all day. From what I remember, it wasn't the greatest of finds for the day, but it still was just fun to be out. I've done really well in the hobby. I got a lot of 1,700 coins. 7010 is my oldest coin. I've done some uh, 
got some incredible things, you know, through the years of detecting. And so I came home and my mom and dad happened to be visiting me from Vegas. They have a house here, but they were like, let's go stay at with Jim and it'd be like we're on vacation and their house is only like three miles away. And they're like, let's stay with him. They went out with friends. I came home and I have to say, I'm a, not a very good cook. I can bake, but I'm not a very good cook. So I didn't really have very fancy meals. And uh, so I made myself some kind of with tuna fish and all that. And I ate it. And then I don't know, I just wasn't feeling well. And I knew if I just went to bed, I would be rolling around. So I decided to go for a walk near my house. And I had just moved in uh, six months, eight months, nine months ago. And it's a dead end road. And I've been down, my sister used to live down at the end and I've been in cars and stuff like that, uh, you know, to visit her, but I never walked down that way. It wasn't, wasn't what I did. I lived right up close to the entrance of the dead end road. So I uh, decided I would go for a walk. I told my mom when she came home, my mom and dad came home from going out to dinner. And I said, I'm going to go for a walk, but it wasn't the kind of walk that I was doing six miles a day or whatever like that. It was just a walk. So I had put my coat on and stuff. And I said, oh, I'll just walk around my house. And there's no streetlights on the road. And there's very, not many houses, but if you go towards the entrance to the main road, there's a um, town hall across the street. They have street lights, you know, in the parking lot. And I'm like, it's a town road. You know, I just walk on the road, go for a little bit, you know, maybe let my stomach move around stuff and I feel good. So that was the goal that night. And so I did, I went out and it was, you know, dark, seven o'clock, something like that at night. And I started walking down towards the entrance. That was my whole goal. Go down there a little bit, walk home. Like I was looking 10, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and that'd be it. And I ended up walking to the entrance and on the main road, the car pulled off the road and they were drunk and they were real rowdy and, you know, and all that. And I just, I was like, okay, that's not very good to, you know, all of a sudden show up out of nowhere and people being drunk. I mean, there's some happy drunks, some bad drunks. You just never know what you're going to get. So I said, well, I better turn around. So I turned around. And uh, I got back to my house and it's not far. I, I don't want to know two tenths of a mile. You know, I went down and back and I still didn't feel well. And I said, well, let me go down. the. There's a hill in front of my house. Not very big, but it's a hill. And I said, well, let me go down the hill. I'll go down a little ways and I'll turn around and come home. And that's what I thought was happening. And so that's what I did. I went down the hill. Got I ended up going past what ended up being my neighbor's house. And I got a little bit past her house. And I said, okay, well, it's time to, you know, go home. Uh, you know, I can go home and lay down and relax. And I, so I turned around and I always walk towards traffic, especially when there's no streetlights or anything. So, and uh, so I crossed the road and I started heading up and I saw car lights at the top of the hill. They like shine further than they are. And a lot of cars would come in and turn around in our driveway because it's not only the house driveway it's a landscape shop so it's a big opening so a lot of people come down the road and they turn around oh dead end road i better turn around it's the first place at the time it was the first place to turn around on the left i saw a car light so i so when i walked especially in that situation you walk you get you get off the road and you stop and then you give time for the car to come and go past you so that's what i did and that's when my life went turned upside down i uh Stepped off the side of the road to get kind of on the edge to, you know, be near the, the woods and the stuff. And next thing I know, I free fell. The world just opened up 
the earth opened up and there I was, I was falling head first. Like it just, I, I don't know. It's like big black hole swallowed me up because I stumbled when I got up the side of the road and I, I felt sideways and over this ravine, I went head first flying through the air and I landed on, uh, I hit my head on a rock and it was a, a, a drainage ditch and part of the year it has water in it and part of the year it don't. I got lucky and if, if you want to call a fall on, on your head lucky, I got lucky to fall when there was no water because if there was water, I probably wouldn't be here that fact alone. Yeah, so I hit my head pretty hard, really hard and lights out, unconscious. I don't know how long though, it could have been two seconds, 10 seconds, a minute, two minutes, five minutes, I, I don't know. Time just, I wouldn't say stood still because I woke up in a lot of pain, but it just like everything just kind of became irrelevant in a way. And uh, so that's what happened. So I came to and I was in so much pain. I just, wow, it was just uh, through the roof kind of pain. And I had a thought of, uh, I reached up, my, my right arm was the only thing. I broke my left shoulder, but I didn't break my right shoulder. So I reached across, I fell and I hit my le- left side of my head. And I reached across with my hand and my fingers went in my skull. Then I knew I was in really, really deep trouble. It was pretty big crack in my head open, bleeding like crazy. And I just decided I would... Uh, I don't know. And so I, I thought a little bit. It, sometimes I sit there and wonder, it's like the ability of some of the stuff you can think about when you're in situations like that. I did. I thought about my cell phone. And then I said, oh, this is Hammertown Road. The cell service is horrible, let alone in a culvert, you know. So and, and the other thing is, is I had the old flip phone at that time. And unless somebody calls you, the thing don't light up. And you got to open the thing. And I was like, okay, too much energy wasted. So I ended up uh, leaving that that idea. I just gave up on that idea. And then I, I think it's natural. You, you call out for help. But it's a dead-end road on a Sunday night. And most people are home. So I just kind of called out. And I yelled, I yelled out, please, God, please help me. Please help me. Just, just all different words. I don't know how long I yelled, but I yelled for a little while. And then I realized that even myself, that it was such effort to yell. And they were, it was getting lower and lower and lower. And I was like, okay, well, that's not working. No one's coming. So I ended up, I gave up on that. And then for, I don't know, everybody has different experiences. For me, it really did start to happen. Like my life started to, uh, you know, go before me and, I started to get real emotional. Of course, I was crying already, mixing in with the blood. And I started thinking about my kids. I have three kids still living. I have two that passed away. My one son's one pound, four ounces, lived 10 days. If, if you believe in heaven, where would he be in heaven? Uh, my other son was 18, died of kidney disease. You know, where would he be in heaven? So I was like, oh, but then I... I don't know if I would have gone to heaven. I mean, not that I'm this bad, bad guy. I just, before my I fell, I was, uh, not that you got to be, but I was a Christian Christian. I went to church on Christmas and Easter, and that was when I went. So I called myself a Christian Christian. And, but I don't know the Bible. 
I, I don't know the Bible and all that. So I, I, you know, I didn't know where I would end up, but, and then I have my kids here and my family here, my mom and dad and my brother and sister and all the extended family. So it was quite a battle in the whole, you know, in the culvert. And I, again, I don't know how long everything takes. It took, it just, that's what goes through your mind. And then I realized that I would just, I got to get, I got to move. And then it came to my oldest son, like I said, who passed away from kidney disease. My ex-wife found him in his apartment. He, he's my stepson. The twins were my stepsons, but they didn't know their dad. So I was their dad. But she found him in his apartment after three or four days. And he was laying on the kitchen floor. So if you, you can't imagine what she saw as a mother. And it was horrible. And we never discussed it. We never, anything, it never, I just didn't go there. And I still, it makes me sad. Of course, he's my son too and all that, but just her having to see what she saw. So then I said, well, that's going to be me if I don't do something about it. I didn't know if I could move right yet. I was in severe pain and I decided I would go, uh, I got to do something. And then it kind of dawned on me, if I'm paralyzed, I'm dead. If I can move, maybe I can die nicer i know it sounds crazy but that i had no hope of living at that point it was like okay i broke my neck so i couldn't really move too much but i kind of could look a little bit and i saw to my left was this field and then i was like you fell kind of thing and then to my right was this big black shadow of a wall and i said that's where i came from that must be where i came from and up there is the road and then it, some of it, I was thinking, okay, you're walking on the road. And so I said, that's where I got to go. So I decided I have to go. And if I can move, I'll get there to die. And that was my goal. It really was true. I was so content on dying at that point, And it was my only option. There was only one option that I was dying. I never died. I wasn't like, like dead there and came back or anything like that. I just, they were going to have to get the dogs to find me. Because remember, I walked. In town, I walk at night or in town with the streetlights. That's my exercise. So I didn't tell my mom and dad where I was walking. I just told them I was going out for a little walk. And so they would have gotten the car, went to town, and it's like I disappeared. So they would have had to get the dogs, and I don't know how long it would have taken. I'm sure they would have maybe found me that night, but I decided, you know, maybe whoever finds me, I didn't want them to find me so bad. So... I decided it was time to move. And I didn't know if I could at that point. I, it's kind of weird. It's a, it's a culvert and has two little walls. And I don't, I was in the middle of, of the walls. And I, to this day, I have no idea how I naturally somehow crawled backwards to go around, around the side wall. I didn't know the side wall. I just saw the big wall and I naturally went around and I didn't run into the side wall. So I started crawling. Everything was, the pain was through the roof and I got to this hill and I started climbing the hill and it was a shimmy, shimmy, shake, pull, you know, get your feet, crawl, crawl up this hill. And that's kind of what I did. People go to where I fell now and they try to walk, get up the hill without being hurt. And it's tough. It's not easy climb. And here I am climbing up this hill. And so I ended up uh, 
you know, I climbed and climbed and, and I wanted to, um, get to the road, get to the road and, uh, die. It's not like I wanted to die. It's just, that's my, was my option. That was all I had in my mind then. So I climbed and climbed and fell backwards and climbed. It was quite the effort. And I ended up, uh, so I came up to this point and I got to this log. I didn't know it was a log at first. I just saw this thing and I saw the silhouette of a flat, looked like a road. Of course, I had blood all over my face and, you know, so crying and hard to see. And so I said, oh, this is where I go. There's the road. And I landed on this log. It's quite the key to the whole event because everybody in the world will know they're laying on a log at night in the dark. But can you describe it? So I could at the time I couldn't describe it. I just knew I was laying on this log. So I got to this log like a man on the side of a boat that was sinking. I just laid there and I said, I made it. I can close my eyes and that'll be it. So that's what I did. I ended up uh, closing my eyes and laying on this log. And I said, it's time to die. For a while, it might have been a minute or two minutes again. It's all relative to time. I don't know. And severe pain. I I mean, I'm also saying right now, I ended up breaking 26 fractures. I fractured my skull. I had a brain bleed, concussion, traumatic brain injury. Broke my left scapula. Broke 11 ribs, seven on the lower left, four on the right. I broke four ribs on the right, and my whole right side never touched the ground. My whole left side will hit the ground. I broke C7 two ways, and I broke from T12 to T1. I broke nine of those, and I broke two of those two ways. So I broke 23 bones with 26 fractures. Of course, all the blood being, you know, gone and all that. So that was it. I was done. And that was all the energy I had. So I was laying on this little log and closed my eyes and, I was content and I was sitting there and, you know, waiting to die. And we, uh, you know, wrote a book. My friend and I helped me write a book about it all. And we got to this part in the story and he's like, you got to strive better than that. And I said, all of us, I think, can relate to when we were kids. We overslept and our parents turned the light on inside our bedroom. And all of a sudden, like, for some reason, our eyes opened because the light was so bright outside. And that's what happened to me. I was laying there and all of a sudden this light got brighter and it was like burning outside my eyes. It made me open my eyes. And it just was the most most gorgeous, gorgeous scene. It just was that the whole valley was lit up. It was like I was so overwhelmed. It was just like in awe. It was like amazing. It was just amazing colors and just the bright. And I don't know if I ever said this in any of the interviews or anything I've done. It just was it, you went from so dark to all of a sudden so bright and it was getting brighter as I opened my eyes. I was like, holy cow. I looked out, this figure was coming towards me. I could move my head a little bit and I looked and it came closer. And as it came closer, you know, it got a little more, you know, detailed. And next thing I know this, I'm just gonna go back for a second. For me, it was an older grandfatherly kind of God and Jesus. That's who I interpreted as God. So if something of that realm was going to come to me, it needed to come that way for me to understand what I was seeing. If there was an orb, I would have never let, I would be dead because I would have no idea what that orb meant or even a, a light or a, a, just a ray, a, a ray of light. 
I would be dead on the log because I would have no idea. My spirituality was, wasn't too huge. It's blown up since my fall, but at the time I wouldn't understand. So that's what had to come to me for me to understand. So this, to me, this grandfatherly figure came, approached, approached. And then next thing you know, over to his right, on his right, my left, his right, were my two kids. And they were there in the background. And they looked like I assumed them to look, you know. And I never got to talk to them. I never talked to them. I never said anything to them. They never said anything to me. But fast forward, somebody helped me like two years after my accident. They were kind of there to help me understand that. Like I said before, my son lived 10 days. You believe in heaven. That's where he had to come from. So everything I was seeing was coming from heaven, which is kind of, I kind of related a little then, but then it really hit home after the fact and figure that approached me. Uh, it turned out to be God. Most people say don't, can't see God. And I say to him that the figure said to me, my son, Jesus. So that's why I said I met God, but it could have been Jesus' body and God talking through Jesus. I have no idea. I'm, I'm just a landscaper, gas station guy. I'm just Jim Bubba Bay. I'm no expert in any of this. That's what happened to me. The figure said to me, and like I said, I'm okay with what everybody feels, everybody thinks. It's not my job to change anybody's thoughts or opinions or like that. I just tell my, you know, when someone wants to know, I tell them the story. And so we're sitting there, and now I'm confused even more because I don't know. I didn't go anywhere. My body, I didn't leave my body. I didn't go anywhere. It just all was happening on Hammertown Road. And I was like, okay. At first, I was like, is this the way, you know, you go to heaven? And to be honest with you, it was kind of like you go in style a little bit. It's like, whoa, this is quite the scene, you know? And then we started talking, you know, the talk within, like, you know, it's not physical talk, but you can, all along, my whole life, one of the reasons why I don't know the Bible is I was always upset that if it's really God's word, then why is all this killing in the Bible? And then, uh, you know, so I didn't read it. So I, I was against it and not against it, but kind of like it, it did give me a reason to read it. And if you met God or Jesus and you had a really, really big question that can be answered, they're going to answer. He's going to answer it. And so that was answered that night for me uh, that you know, his word and his, Jesus and God, they continue on. The Bible continues on. But those in power that use the Bible for their own their own good, they, they fall out of power and they do all this killing and stuff and they fall out of power. And that's all of them, many of them, you know, any kind of religion and anything like that. You know, that was one of our uh, part of our conversation at the log. So while I was there in this log, it got so bright, I was able to see I was on a log with no bark, no branches. There was none. It was like an old telephone pole. You know, how they're solid on the outside and they're soft on the inside. And that's what I was on. And it, remember, it's a dead end road, no lights, no traffic lights, there's no houses around, you know, that area and no car. I was so close to the road. I was a bloody mess. You, I don't know if you would have want to stop to help me, you know, at least call 911. I, I don't know. You know, most people would have stopped or done something. And so there was no light at all. So it was all from God's light. And I could see him laying on this, this log. And I was able to describe what I was laying on in my mind. I remembered it. I was like, okay. So it was a meeting. I, I tell people it's like the uh, airplane 
fly through the air and the big tankers with the gas, they the jet fuel, they're about to run out or they got to make a long mission and the big tanker comes along and hooks up to them and fills them up and re- so they can continue on. Well, my faith and my hope and everything was gone. My energy was gone at the log. And I say, God and Jesus, you know, whoever wants to say I met ended up filling me up with all this hope and faith. And and then I, he said I had things for him to do. And I, you know, and I was like, I don't know, what do I have to do again? I'm just Bill Bubba Bay. I'm just your normal old guy. And what am I going to do? And I got things to do. And, you know, when he answered the question, the main thing for me and keep my ears and, you know, my eyes open to all different things. And I'm like, okay, all right. And then it's like, then it's done. It would be like uh, us meeting on the road, 10 minutes, five minutes. I don't know how long it took. It was like a meeting, but that's all I needed. I just, I just needed the meeting. I didn't need to go hang out and with Moses and all of them up in heaven. I didn't need to go anywhere. And I didn't go anywhere. I did do that speak, and I thought I was at a place. I thought I didn't belong to all this near-death stuff. And but everybody's talking about these wild things and going places and seeing things. And I was stuck on Hammertown Road. But that's what I needed. Just as soon as it came, it seemed like there he was. They turned around and they left. And it was like a, a candle going as further and further away. And then it was like at the end, someone blew out the candle and it was dark. Well, I was still in pain when he was there, but I was in such awe of seeing my kids, God, Jesus, whatever you want to think. I was, I was just in awe. I think that's part of the, what happened, why I was like, didn't, didn't hurt as bad. And then now all of a sudden I'm on this log in the dark. And, okay, what do I do now? I don't know. He didn't say anything. He didn't say, you know, all of a sudden he's going to send the car down the road and pick me up or nothing. It was like, okay. And I know it's going to be crazy. It sounds symbolic, but I was able to turn my head a little bit to my left. And I saw this house. And it had this little light in this room, this little tiny light. And this one window was lit up. And I said, oh, that's where I got to go. So I got up and, uh, well, I tried to get up. Uh, I thought about it for a minute or two. And I said, if I crawl like I did up the hill, I'd be dead. I don't care what was told to me that I was going to live and do things. I'd be dead. I was bleeding so bad that I just, I'd be dead. And so I said, I got to walk. Of course, you know, got to remember, I don't know I got 26 fractures. I just know I'm in serious pain. And I'm like, well, I got to walk. I got to try. So I ended up uh, getting to my knees. And as I got to my knees, the gravity started weighing on me and uh, stuff. And and then I said, I got to get up. So I got up one time and I couldn't take it. And I fell back down. And that was it. I was like, okay, that's it. No. I don't care what was told to me. It's not going to happen. And then I said to myself, well, if you want to see your kids and you want to see your kids, but song. So if you want to see your kids that are living, you got to, you know, you got to put a little effort into it. And so I said, okay, let me try again. But I said to myself, if I get up on my feet, any kind of way I could get up on my feet and kind of be on my feet, I got to stay on my feet. And that's what I did. I actually got up, hunched over, uh, 
you know, in the book, we put like the hunchback, the Notre Dame shuffle. Like, you know, I kind of was just like shuffling my feet. I wasn't picking them up off the ground much. I was just kind of, and I started to move. I was up and the pain was through the roof. And I just shuffled my feet and shuffled my feet. And I kept walking. And every time I shuffled my feet, that light in that window seemed like it got further away. Oh, my God. It was like, holy. Every time I moved, it was like further away, further away. And next thing you know, I, I made it across the road at an angle. And I made it, which ended up being my neighbor's house. And it ended up being her house that I ended up at. And I hit the lawn. And it, it, I know nothing's funny, but it is kind of funny. You just, this, this hill on this lawn isn't much of a hill. But man, when you got 26 fractures, it felt like Mount Everest, this little tiny grassy hill. And the problem with that is I was using my feet kind of sliding across the, the, you know, the road because it was smooth. And now I'm hitting grass. So now I got to pick my feet up. And it was like climbing Mount Everest. It was insane. I was like, so every time I put a step, that seemed like the house went further away. And there was, you know, and there's that little light in the window. And then I noticed there was other lights, but it was all inside lights. And I, and I kept doing it. And I'm like, got to get there. Got to get there. So I go and I ring the doorbell uh, at the house. I, I finally get to it. And there's a stoop. And I kind of step on that. And man, am I woozy. I ring the doorbell. And I stand there. And I kind of stepped back because some of the stuff I thought of that night was amazing. You know, I, I, I kind of had the wherewithal to like not be like in, in whoever opens the door's face. You got to give them some space. So I kind of stepped back and and then the, my poor neighbor opened the door and she wrote uh, for the book. And uh, after I asked her to write, she had said that it was like Freddy Krueger was in the neighborhood. That's how bad I looked. There was blood everywhere and I was wrecked. And uh, she opened the door and there I was. And uh, I don't know whether she said she would or I, I even had the wherewithal. Can you call 911 or I don't know. 911 was mentioned. So she saw how bad I was and she turned around and she went up the stairs and got her phone. When she came back, I disappeared. I was done. That was it. I passed out on her lawn. And she says, you just disappeared. I come back. expect you kind of be standing up and I look for you. And then you were on the ground. So then I was in and out, in and out. And she ended up uh, talking to them. I, I do remember this because I remember doing it. She told me, they told her she walked around. She was telling my injuries and she didn't know I had a big crack in my head. And she said I had a head injury. They told her, go get a towel and put it on my head. And she ran and got a towel, put it on my head. Amazing thing happened. It, it, it's amazing. how Because she wasn't home when I fell. She was in New Jersey like four hours away driving home and those are everybody that takes a long trip. Hey, you go to the bathroom one more time or something like that. She stopped one more time. I'd be dead. I'd be dead. There was no one, there was no place to go, but her house. And she happened to be, when I fell, I was in the culvert. She, she got home. It's amazing what God does with the time of everything. And then on top of that, so she finally gets 911. It ended up being foggy that night. So, um, my cousin, the uh, sheriff, came. He's a sheriff. He's retired now, and uh, he was training a new recruit, and they came from another town. I heard a 911 call, and I was so bad that he was very close to me, and he had no idea it was me. My brother came. I gave my neighbor my brother's number to call, and my brother came, came and got my parents next door, 
And my brother went back and my cousin had been really close to me. And my cousin Rich said, what are you doing here, John? John said, that's Jim over there. That's how bad my first cousin couldn't even recognize who, who I was. I was just wrecked. And with all this going on, the amazing thing is our, our little town has a volunteer firehouse and there's two ambulances and the one ambulance got hit by a deer and the they hit a deer, I mean, you know, one or the other, and it was in the body shop and the other ambulance was taking someone to the a hospital in Rhinebeck. And the next thing you know, this couple were at the firehouse, there's a 911 call. They take an old like bag and they throw every kind of gauze, everything they could think about in this bag. And they take the fire, the brush truck that fight like force, you know, fires and stuff. And they hop in this truck that's not in an ambulance. And then the first one's on the scene. And the wife stood at my head. It took an hour and 15 minutes. I, I took a long time for them to get me off the lawn. She kneeled in my head the whole time to make sure to keep me awake and the blood to try to stop the blood as best she could. By the end of the night, she said her pants were like she had knee pads, how much blood my blood was just soaked into her pants from me bleeding and everything like that. So it was incredible. And then it was too foggy, like I said, so they couldn't fly a helicopter. So I had to take an ambulance um, down to Poughkeepsie, which is like 45 minute ride. And oh my God, that was horrible. And I, they, the backboard they put me on was just killer. And uh, so I got to the hospital and I was in the hospital and that day and they still didn't know. My parents were there. My brother was there at two, three o'clock in the morning. They said, hey, uh, you should go home because we still don't know what's wrong with them. Uh, we, we haven't figured out all the damage and all that. So the next day they figured it all out. And then they decided I wasn't going to live unless they put me in a coma. So they induced a coma and, you know, that whole world was an incredible world in itself. And so I was in a coma like seven days or so. And then I uh, got out of a coma. Uh, they took me, they got me out. And then uh, I was like, wow, I met God. I was like 95, 96%, 70%, 99%. I was somewhere in there, like depending on the day with that little bit. And I was like, no, I really, this really, really happened to me. And I described this log I met God at. In the process of all this going on, there's this wonderful uh, website some people might know called Karen Bridge. It's a nonprofit. And you can create a web page for someone sick or anything, like, you know, any injury or whatever. And, and then everybody signs up to it and everybody gets an email when something new happens on the page. Like, and then my brother and sister-in-law were the ones that uh, updated it. And if they updated something like, hey, Jim's out of a coma, everybody got a, like a notification that something new happened, I think. So in the process, they had taken pictures of where I fell. And I went to rehab. The incredible thing is with all that fractures and all that damage, I never had any surgery. The only thing I had was a vena cap filter put in me. And I always forget to say, but I had a little bit of blood transfusions, which saved my life, too. You know, so. I was only in the main hospital, like 15, 16 days, 17 hours, something like that. It was quick. I got out of a coma. I had a full shell brace on me and a neck brace the whole time. And they got me up and I got a walker and I walked around the unit. Not too good, but I walked. Okay, time for rehab. So I was out of the hospital. So I went to the uh, rehabilitation place and they have computers for the patients. 
it's, it was partly a nursing home and a and that rehab place. It was a mixture. My brother and sister-in-law came, Marianne and John came, and and they're like, hey, you want to see uh, your webpage? And I never got to see it yet because my parents, my, my brother and sister, they, hey, you got another message, you know, and all that. I'm like, all right. So we went and saw, and then they're, they're like, we're reading them and stuff. My neighbor, who, you know, called 911 and saved, helped save my life, she wrote a beautiful message. She said, God must have put you on my doorstep. How right she was. She didn't even know. And I ended up, um, so my brother goes, hey, Jim, you want to see, uh, you want to see where you fell? And I didn't know if I was ready. And I said, yeah, well, I said, all right, yeah. So he clicks the button and there's the picture and there's a log I saw that I described straight out of a coma that I met a God at straight to a T. There's a log I met him at. And my family had said there was a lot of blood at this log. So then I was like 100% sure this has happened. Uh, everything I said was true and the log was there and they all this blood. They all said there was blood on the log and I definitely hung out at the log for a while. Then it became like, okay, I was pretty positive before and and during the hospital stay, a nurse, you know, an angel came kind of like, and she was just there and she reiterated to me that uh, to listen to, you know, to word and, and keep your eyes open and, you know, you got things to do kind of thing. And she wasn't there long either. So, you know, so that's what it turned out to be. And then I got myself out of rehab too quick, but that's another story. I, uh, my kids were coming and they had no idea I was in a hospital. Instead. In the end, I still think it was best. They were young and they would be worrying about me every day. And they just thought my cell phone broke or something like that. And, and uh, you know, in the end, some people say, oh, that's not right. That's horrible. And But, you know, in a lot of ways, I think it was, you know, it worked out to be the best. So they were coming to see me. And so I got out of rehab early. My, my poor father, he was, he's 83, 84 now. And he was in his 70s and he was my caretaker. My mom had some stuff to take care of. And so my dad stayed with me. But we were close, but we got closer, that's for sure. I really cherished those times and my sister helped out a lot, my brother, my whole family. So then I I ended up doing that and then and then I started listening. And before I fell, I was uh I tell people I'm uh my spirituality was uh you, you could put on the size of a grape. I had no idea about uh all the other things besides religion and you know, spirituality through God and stuff. I never knew about uh law of attraction, Reiki healing, the shamans. I mean, I literally didn't. I knew nothing about that stuff. I had no idea about any of that. And uh, so we had written a book real quick about the journey. We wrote the book. People were loving it. And I'm just Jim Bubba Bay. What do I do? I have no idea. So I, you know, and it got people were, you know, anybody I knew personally, I gave them a book. Everybody, people were buying it left and right. I, I didn't know people. And I was like, but what do I do? I don't know what to do with I don't know. Because I was a shy guy before I fell. It's funny. I always say, yeah, I think it's a give and take. I, I have chronic pain, but you wouldn't know I fell. You have no idea looking at me today. Everything's good. I'm all, I don't take no pain meds. I should, I maybe could, but all they do is kill your liver and your kidney and stuff. And so I try not to, I took myself off all that and I got chronic pain. But before I fell, I was a uh, very shy. It's funny. All my friends, people know me would they, they laugh because I can talk. Obviously, as you can tell, I can talk and just keep talking if I need to. 
And they, they, they're like, no, dude, you're not shy. No, what it is, is I am. I was very shy, scared of using it. Even in my 40s, here I am. I, I wasn't very good at using the phone. I prefer not to. And it was bad. I was just a shy and introvert. And when it came to meeting strangers and talking and everything like that. And I say I got the gift of sociability. That was the trade-off. I got chronic pain, but I got the gift of sociability. And I'll talk to anybody. I do inspirational speaking. I talk a bunch of crowds, anybody, one-on-one, you name it, I do it. So, you know, and so part of the journey's been, I just didn't know what to do with this book. And so I'm sitting there and I had made some, you know, I was trying to make some decisions and I wasn't making some of them. And it's funny, just because you meet God doesn't make your whole life all rosy. Like, hey, everything's perfect now and everything's going to go the perfect way and you're going to make all the right decisions. No, that's not true. In some ways, it's even harder. And so I, you know, I made some poor decisions. And so I was sitting one night and I'm like, okay, well, I got the book. People loving the book and I got this. And but I always felt blessed because I was getting my health back is every day went by. I was getting healthier and healthier. And with my brain injury, I'm a very high function and brain injury person. And I've been to brain injury hospitals and people read my book, invited me to visit their relative and i go into these hospitals and i'm blessed and i just bless them the best i can and so i try to do what i can for all the my fellow brain injury people and i'm a highly functioning one i i did really well in school i had 4-0 in college and stuff so you know and and i got knocked down a few rungs on the ladder of smartness but you know and sometimes i have difficulties I say funny words. You hang out really long enough and stuff. You get an email from me. It's missing words. Even though I edit it, it's like fill in the blanks. So that's what happened in my life. And all of a sudden, I was on Facebook one night, and some guy in Red Hook sent me a thing. Hey, I'm Joe. You know, I own a cafe. You know, my friend loves your book. We'll do a book event. You sell books, I'll sell coffee. So I went over there and these are the kind of amazing things that happened to me. And I went over to, to his place and I've never met the guy in my life. And we hugged each other. Like we were brothers. And he said, yeah, we'll do an event and stuff like that. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. And the new me is like, wow, whoa, okay. Yeah. This is amazing. But, uh, you're going to speak in front of all these people, Jim, you know? And, oh yeah, I didn't know what to do. I didn't advertise. He advertises, but we put it on pretty quick. So he only advertised once. And I went with standing room only. It was incredible. People behind me, up and down and all this stuff. So it was a it was a huge success. And people loved my talk and stuff. And and my why I'm bringing this all up is next thing you know, I'm the type you you do something for me, I, I come to you. So I don't really like coffee. I never did. I learned to like it now because he had a coffee cafe. So what am I gonna do? So I started going to this cafe and having coffee. And then they started having all these events, the shaman circle and the and the Reiki healing and the law of attraction and learning about the Vikings and um, the Kashic records and all, all this incredible stuff. And I had no idea. And my uh, but I just learned all this stuff. And it's been an incredible journey. Incredible. And it just blows my mind. And my favorite thing of the whole journey is everybody I meet. Just meeting people, it's just, and when you 
let it be known, and I'm sure others have the same thought or same saying, you let it be known, you put your neck out there, I met God, I met Jesus. It's incredible the stories that people have that haven't shared with anybody. They've kept it to themselves or a few people know. And the amount of stories that people tell me, it's my favorite thing. I try not to talk around myself the best I can. And it just attracts to me. I was in uh, Barnes and Noble and I was working on the book or the Facebook page or something. And the old me, there was only one table left and was right next to this other guy's table. And there was a plug there. And I had a computer at the time that you had that really kind of plug in or else you're only going to get 20 minutes and you're done. And it was really kind of like his table. You know, the new me, it's not pushy, nothing like that, not cocky. It's just like, okay, ask him. So I said, hey, do you mind I sit at this table? Now, of course, I asked him to sit there. So he goes, nah, sit down. So I'm sitting there. And I mean, we were so close. It was like a sitting. It was separate tables, but we were like on top of each other. It's like we're sitting at the same table. So I'm typing, you know, just doing stuff. My son's at another store. He's a big gamer. So he was at a game store getting stuff. And and the guy goes to me. He goes, I'm not, I'm not good at names. So I forget people's names and all that from my brain injury. And he goes, uh, hey, what are you doing, by the way? I said, oh, I'm, I got a book and I'm just doing Facebook. He says, I, and I said, oh, I'm not really good at it. I don't know what I'm doing. But I try to, you know, do a post or whatever if I can and, and stuff like that. And he. And then I said, yeah, and he goes, oh, he, and I said, yeah, I had a near bet that got hurt. That's all I said. And he goes, oh, my God, I can relate to that. I said, what do you got? The guy got hit by a car helping somebody else at night. And he flipped over the top, and he's sitting here and living. And I gave him a book. I went out in the car. We went outside. I said, here, I have one of my books. It, it was incredible. You know, and, that, and that's what happens in my sixth sense. I never had it before, intuition or whatever like that. And I did it once. Uh, I got sent a message to go do something. And I said, no, I'm going mail detecting because I work a lot. So I don't get so much time off. I'm going mail detecting. Well, I probably had the worst day of mail detecting in my life. It was horrible. And didn't find anything. The bugs were, it, it was bad. And I, I ignored my intuition. And then uh, I said, well, that didn't go over very well. Of course, I didn't know what it was at the time. I was all confused. And then I was like, oh. So next time I got that feeling, I was going to go metal detecting again. How ironic. My kids were with me, and they were going to go. Do they love it? I don't know. They, they, they go. They go along, and we go and do a family little thing. We spend an hour or two, a couple of hours. I go longer when I'm by myself. And they were all prepared to go. We woke up that morning, and I got hit with that intuition. And it said, no, you're not going, you're not going metal detecting you got to go to the bridge and you walk across the Hudson. I don't even know how I remembered that. you got to go down there. Well, it turned out to be like one of the best days. I went down to the brain injury to raise money for a brain injury. And it's this walkway. They took their old railroad track down in Poughkeepsie that goes over the Hudson River. And they turned it into a walking bridge. And uh, it's beautiful. And so I went down there. And there was like two or three people that had to meet me and wanted to meet me. And... Uh, so we went down there, and it was an incredible day. So ever since then, I, um, you bet yeah, I uh, pay attention to my intuition. And it's, it's just been an incredible journey. And um, I'm blessed to be here. And like I said, my favorite thing is meeting everybody else. I was sitting, because COVID happened, and everything kind of slowed down and kind of went to nothing, because I do inspirational speaking and everything like that. And uh, 
I'm sitting with my brother landscaping. We're sitting having lunch last September, and I get this uh, message from this guy from Virginia Beach. He uh, talks about uh, going to um, coming to Virginia Beach to do a, a speak. So I was like, oh, and then and then they included another speak. So there was two back to back, two paid speaking gigs at the one place. So I went. I, at first, I was like, oh, should I go? It's pretty far. You know, got to drive. And I said, no, you got to go. It's that's what you know, you got to do it. So I drove myself. And uh, it's funny. I went to just speak Bay Bridge and Tunnel. And I thought you get an option. I didn't know the way it said. I thought it was two separate things. And I so I drove the bridge and the bridge turned into a tunnel, which turned into a bridge, which turned into a tunnel. So it was funny. But I went down there and then I asked uh, some uh, Rick Dick. I asked him. Uh, you know, how he find me. And he was on this website up in the corners, this little tiny thumbnail of a magazine article I had to guy post. So all that stuff, it's just been an incredible journey. And I just love meeting people and I'm so outgoing now. And if you walk by me in Sam's club, eating an ice cream cone, I'll ask you what flavor it is. And I talk to everybody and it's just amazing world when you can talk to whoever, relate to whoever. And you know, with the book, I've had agnostics read the book, non-believers, believers, Muslims, Jews, all ages. It's so cool. A little quick story. My youngest fan was five years old. His father read him the book out loud. And I was working the gas station and uh, they came in the gas station and the little boy walked up at five years old and asked, who's Bubba? Me and this other guy were outside and we joked around. We pointed each other and I said, no, I'm Bubba. And he go, he held up the hand and he told me how great the book was. And the greatest thing in the world, this past weekend, I was working the gas station. I worked part-time, and the father came in, and the boy was there. He's 13 years old now, and he's as tall as me. So it was amazing. It, that All that stuff happened. So I loved meeting him. What a great kid. And and I didn't know at the time he has my name, James. So we took pictures and stuff, Like, and he was my fan. I always, I always tell that story when I speak, too, because the father took the time to read the book, you know? So... It's just been a wonderful journey, and I'm blessed to be here. I still make mistakes. I'm just human and like everybody else. And I just love meeting people, and people tell me the stories. I would tell people my story, you know, and if they know, they'll, they'll, they'll say something or not. Or I just attract them, and they start talking to me. You can drop me in Walmart, and someone will come tell me some crazy story that other people might think is crazy, but me, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I relate to that. So it's been a wonderful journey just really has.